It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Did the offense evolve for the Cincinnati Bengals in week six? Zach Taylor talked about that and gave some injury updates on Monday. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Together, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your Cincinnati Bengals every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We appreciate everybody who subscribes. If you don't subscribe on YouTube, if you don't follow on the audio platform of choice, and you like what we do here on Locked On Bengals, hit those buttons, and you might find that making us your first listen Gives you all the water cooler ammo you need at work. And it's generally a good idea. I recommend it. Today we're going to get into Zach Taylor's comments on the Cincinnati Bengals offense after it looked very different in week six. And you know what, James? We've been talking about this offense all year, obviously. It it hasn't been the elite 30-point-a-game offense, although they have now crossed that plateau. They've they've Yeah, baby. Yeah, they did. Actually, Jake, real quick. They got yeah. to 30. Woo! All right, you know, there we go. Had people to. have been missing that. Had to. So for, for the YouTube commenter specifically that yesterday asked for us to start exclaiming at the beginning of videos, there you go. There we go, baby. There we go. 30 points. And, and they've done 27 twice. So in, in three out of their last four games, or three wins in their last four games, 27, 27, 30. That's an average of what, like 28 or something quick math i don't know 28 yeah it's it's pretty solid though right even against the ravens in the second half they only had those two big possessions they had the awful goal line sequence i know they started really badly but you know i was looking today james and from weeks two to two to six you throw out that week one game dvoa epa per play cpoe all these acronyms that try to be predictive of offense or predictive of team success more than just win loss record more than just passing yards more than just passing touchdowns more than the score of the game they all think the Bengals are actually pretty good you throw out that week one game I know you can't throw out the week one game but I think that was an aberration right and despite our consternation and stress and how it hasn't been pretty the underlying numbers have actually really liked this team and I find that to be interesting and a little bit surprising and and another note on this before we get into the evolution of the offense that was very discernible and observable on on tape on week six is the expected scores that kevin cole does pff analyst data data scientist the bengals are six and oh in his expected scores and so that what that's saying is essentially that in in similar games from like a yards gain turnover perspective the Bengals would be expected to have won every game they've played this year. Even even week one, obviously, like missed extra point, missed field goal. They should have won that game. Even week two, 20 to 17 Cowboys walk off. The the 
analytics and these underlying things that are not necessarily lining up with the eye test that are trying to be predictive to look at things that maybe we're not noticing to isolate trends that maybe aren't apparent are all somewhat more bullish on the Bengals and their three and three record would have you believe. And I just found that to be really surprising James, because it doesn't strictly line up with the eye test. Although there have been certainly signs of life for this offense going all the way back to week three at this point. And we're starting to see these slow improvements accumulate into what we saw against the Saints. And so that's the reason, along with the eye test, obviously what we saw, and we'll dive into the changes they made on offense, like you mentioned, but that's just another reason why you can be hopeful that maybe they, and and I said this multiple times last week. In fact, our listeners probably got sick of me saying it. I think they're going to turn a corner, but when do they turn that corner? And it feels like, oh, well, maybe they did turn it. And, and we're witnessing the, the, them go around the, the corner of eh teams, which, as you pointed out on Twitter on Monday, there's plenty of eh teams in this league. And How it feels. Maybe, maybe become, and you're right, and maybe becoming a good team. And maybe more than that, right? I, I don't want to go too crazy here, but the offense is, is a big part of that. So when you mention these different metrics and it lines up with, oh, well, maybe things weren't as bad as we thought, and they continue to improve and, and go in the right direction, and, and maybe they will figure it out. And, and I think the comparison, especially after week five and that ugly loss to the Ravens, was okay. Can you be the Chiefs where they figured it out last year? And people mm-hmm. said, oh, the NFL has figured out Patrick Mahomes. And it was really just uh, an outlier stretch for the two and three Chiefs because they were in the AFC title game and had an 18-point lead. But we knew that, right? And so – that's what you're hoping for this Bengals team in at least this week, they showed it and they showed it with a bunch of changes that I think we should talk about right now. Yeah. And I don't want to go so far as to claim that this is the new reasonable. This is what's going to happen every week because we don't know yet. We don't know what the outlier is yet. I would say, but like, like I said last week when they lost the game and only scored 17 points and I was sitting here talking about their reasons for optimism on this offense. When you watch the tape, yeah, they burned four drives. You can't do that. That's really bad. Absolutely true. Not something I'm glossing over, but there were reasons for me to think that things would continue to improve. And that was the preponderance of RPOs that were built into their running game and and moving the running game into shotgun and having success there. And what did we see against the Saints? We talked about it yesterday, a game plan focused on the shotgun. All of their plays outside of a QB sneak and a QB kneel out of the shotgun. The running game still successful out of the shotgun when they did hand the ball off to Joe Mixon, who continues to play much better the last two weeks than he had in the first four weeks of the season. But the other big thing that they continue to build on, and they did build on last week, you remember me saying, this is something that I hope they build on. I hope they build concepts on top of this was around the the RPO stuff and around the play action game out of the shotgun. And you saw more of that this week. You saw Joe Burrow, a lot of the quick game, according to Zach Taylor, was Joe Burrow taking a running play, a called running play that they have package. And it's an RPO, it's a package play, whatever you want to call it. Based on numbers or alignment, Joe Burrow can say, you know what, I'm not going to hand the ball off. I'm going to throw it quickly to Tyler Boyd because the corner in quarters is playing outside leverage or something like that. And I know Tyler Boyd is going to win inside really quickly. That's free yards. And and Joe Burrow is going to see that and take it. And the way you can tell, by the way, if you're wondering, is this a called run play? Is this a play action play? Is this, 
you know, what is it? You can just watch the offensive line. If the offensive line gets downhill and starts run blocking, which you'll see they're doing, that's how you know it's a called run where Joe Burrow has the, op- the option to throw a pass. One of the early plays that the uh, screen did Jamar Chase at the beginning of the game. Similar idea. They have a built-in screen with with a running play. Yeah. I I uh, The play that stood out to me, and, and someone sent the all-22 of it, and someone – I don't want to be too crazy here. Someone that is in the know and knows what he's talking about. And I don't want to share too much, but it's not like he's been in the league, put it that way. And he was like, it was the RPO play I mentioned to Boyd. Yeah. And in that one, it's so quick and Burrow gets it out so fast and it's unguarded. Like you cannot, I I don't know how you stop that. Well, you, you don't play the corner and outside leverage, which is actually an adjustment the Saints made. You watch after that, they started pressing the slot in that look, mm-hmm. but continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but, I, but I'm saying like that's an instant way to, one, get Boyd involved, yeah. two, get free yards like you mentioned. And I think it really does. It gets Burrow into a rhythm. And and so something that I think Burrow's had to learn is patience. Yeah. And and he certainly, I think, been more was more patient on Sunday. But – it's one thing to be patient and just throw it to the running back 72 times, and that sucks. That's the Steelers' right? offense. It, 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 right? That sucks. The, that RPO play for Burrow, you know what that is? That's fun. As a quarterback, that's fun. To get the ball out of your hands that quick, gain whatever it was, eight yards, you, you make a, a cool throw that's borderline sidearmed. And uh, the, the person I talked to uh, was like, man, this is one of the best – and he might have been a little excited about it, but one of the best RPO throws. It's just so quick and hard to defend it's like all right let's go and so that's the one i keep coming back to obviously it worked throughout but yeah maybe the Bengals have you know found the the new elixir that's going to get people out of these you know teams out of these cover two deep zone shells that they've been in and and you just get to get the ball to boyd over the middle because once they did that it kind of opened things up a bit yeah of course it's not even it's more than that. It's not as simple as just throw to Tyler Boyd over the middle. It's sure. the stress of, of having the package play. It's like, you're going to play too high? Well, sometimes if you're playing too far off, I'm going to take those free yards in the passing game. Sometimes I'm going to hand the ball to Joe Mixon, and he's just going to yep. run for five yards. Because that's ran what he's the ball done the great. last two weeks. Someone that mentioned the run game to me, like, they need to run the ball more. I think it was a YouTube comment. And it's like, actually, I loved the run game on Sunday because it was effective. I, whether it's eight runs yeah. or 18 runs, it just needs to be effective. Well, and the thing is, they're, they're using that quick game off the run as, as an extension of the run. They're literally called run plays. Anyway, there's more to talk about here with the transformation of the offense, more that I want to get into in terms of some of the details. We also have those injury updates, so we'll continue those conversations coming up next. But first, I have to tell you about Bird Dogs, because I wore the, the Bird Dogs shorts this past week in the Bengals locker room, and I was probably one of the only ones because everyone decided it was pants season, not me, and it's not just their shorts. They have pants. They have sweats. They have joggers. They have khakis. And bird dogs, well, they're super comfortable. Super comfortable. And like they say, they're like Charmin, that little Charmin bear rubbing your thighs. I, I love them. I love them because they're perfect for literally any occasion, whether you're golfing, whether you're going to the Bengals locker room, whether you're recording a Locked on Bengals podcast from your New Orleans hotel room because you haven't gone home yet. Bird Dog Joggers are higher quality than Lululemon and $20 less. What are we even talking about here? Value, comfort. 
They look good. They feel good. Go buy some bird dogs today. Go to birddogs.com. Use promo code locked on, and they're going to throw in a free bird dogs rope hat. That's birddogs.com, promo code locked on, and boom, a free rope hat with your pair of bird dogs. The most comfortable shorts, pants, and sweatpants with built in liners. You will not take these things off. I promise you, with winter, come and go to birddogs.com right now. Promo code locked on to get some jogger shorts and khakis today. We're also brought to you today by LinkedIn. And we know how hard it is to hire these days. Workers are picky. Jobs are competitive. It's it's hard to get people that are the right fit for your organization. LinkedIn Jobs is here to help when you have to be 100% certain that you're getting the best candidate you can. You're going to be able to post your jobs for free at LinkedIn Jobs. And you're going to get access to more applicants than you'll find anywhere else. Simple tools, screening questions can be built into the application. It's going to make it easy to focus on candidates with the right match for your organization and experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview, who you'd like to hire. And that's why small businesses, especially if you're a small business owner and and you need these tools, Right, LinkedIn Jobs, number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the quality, qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Jake, let's uh, continue and dive into some of the unfortunate injuries that the Bengals are dealing with right now and let's start with 55 double nickel Logan Wilson uh, certainly was the ugliest one uh, of the group uh, and, and he was down on the field for quite some time that right shoulder injury um, it was obviously a surgically repaired uh, right shoulder that he underwent what earlier this year certainly it was after the the Super Bowl but he was down on the ground for a while was able to move off under under his own power Zach Taylor offered an update on Monday saying that they were hopeful that it was week to week for Logan Wilson. Um, So one, he's got to undergo more tests. I don't want to call him week to week because hoping that he's week to week and him being week to week are two very different things, but it appears like there's at least a chance the Bengals could have dodged a a big bullet when it comes to Wilson. And, uh, you know, maybe he can return in a, you know, after missing a game or two, which I think is a win considering how it looked, and given the fact that that was a shoulder that he'd already had problems with in the past. Yeah, he's been really good this year, and losing him would not be great. They're starting to accumulate injuries a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. DJ Reader was on the rehab field last week. We've talked about that a few times, but there's not a real update there. Zach Taylor not really ready to say, yeah, he'll be back You know, as soon as he's eligible to come back. Uh, there's also injuries piling up on the defensive line where Jeff Gunter – not getting a ton of playing time, obviously, but dislocated a knee in pregame, had to be carted off. And uh, Josh Chupo in a walking boot on on Monday in the Bengals locker room. So injuries starting to pile up, up the, the middle of that defense in particular with, with Reader and Tupo. There's not really a nose tackle on the team right now. I don't know if that is going to be Tyler Shelvin. If, Shelvin if season. If they can't find anybody to add that they like better, it might be Shelvin out of necessity. I will say that J2 Fele, I thought he played totally fine. I, th- I thought he was 
not great by any means. The defensive line in general, I don't think was great, but I thought he was fine. And I think if, if you need Jay Tufele to play a little bit more, he played 23 snaps in his season debut. I think that's fine. But, you know, linebacker is the one spot where I feel like they have the depth. You know, Akeem Davis-Gaither in, in his full action earlier this year was pretty good. He's shown the ability to step in and, and play some of that true linebacker position. And if they need to do that, that is a loss. But I like their depth there, right? I mean, I like it all the way down to Marcus Bailey. And if Joe Bacci comes back or, or you name the backup, Bacci comes back, sorry. Uh, that's good depth. And, and then there's the Dax Hill variable here at, at linebacker in, in certain packages where, you know, maybe it gets to a point where, they don't feel like they're losing as much to take XYZ linebacker off the field if Logan Wilson is hurt. And, and there are more spots for Dax Hill, who continues, by the way, to impress every time he gets on the field. 23 snaps on defense this year, but he's been noticeable on those snaps. And, and so you really – I don't know if it'll take until the bye week for them to find – there, there are ways to get him on the field. Somebody asked me, why isn't he on the field more, by the way? My answer to that is they don't know who to take off the field, and it's hard to take players off the field against regular personnel. Like, if it's not something weird where you have a, a specialty, specialty sub package for Dax Hill to guard a, a, you know, a tight end and a multiple tight end look or do this or that or the other, not really sure who you take off the field, but uh, maybe they'll figure that out. And, yeah, and this could uh, spur that a little bit. Look, I, I love what I've seen from Dax Hill. He, our listeners know how high I've, yeah, I've been on him, talked to him a bunch now. I think he's a great kid. I think he's super talented. And it's just not his time yet to to log those snaps. And and I think that's okay because you're right. Are, are you, who are you taking off the field? And a lot of people will say, oh, Eli Apple. And that sounds good. It does. Like They play different positions. No doubt. And so you're like, <laughs> oh, you, you put Dax Hill at corner? Well, you don't think he's going to give up anything if you switch positions and make him play? Not you know even, what, though? Nick, I think I, Dax Hill can play corner. So. I, I do, too. I, I think he can do <laughs> – I think he could do a hell of a lot, right? And and so I get it. And, and I think – That's a honestly, projection. But I, I think he could do it. Th- this full – this segment's going to come full circle because what did we just talk about? We talked about Logan Wilson getting dinged up and we talked about, you know, maybe Tyler Shelvin, who honestly, if he ever was going to flash anything or show anything, it would be now. I mean, who knows, but, and he hasn't, and he's been a disappointment and that's fair to say, but at some point you're going to need Dax for something and what a nice depth piece to have. Mm -hmm. He's going to start next season. I'll break the news right now. Yep. You can do it. He's going to start next season. He's going to play a lot. I think he's going to be a really, really good player for the Bengals. And maybe he makes a huge impact this year. Uh, he made the you know a big play on fourth and seventeen on on Sunday. So we'll see there. I think the defensive tackle thing is interesting though because if it's not Shelvin, do they go out and get someone? I think they should go out and get someone regardless. They they have that roster spot, and so we'll see. You know, we'll see if they go that route. But um, it's it's scary to me with Atlanta and Cleveland, two teams that are going to have to run the ball, that are going to look at this Bengals offense specifically and say, man, they're going to be able to put up points. You know what we're going to do? Limit their possessions. And that's what's happened the past two weeks. And, and that's tough when you're only getting three possessions and a half. Like, think about that. That's Even if your offense is humming, it's tough to win games. And so this defense – 
probably going to be searching for a bit. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they bring somebody in. I wouldn't even be surprised if they pull off a surprising trade. I mean, I'd be surprised, but like if there was a time to be surprised by a trade, it would be now because they need it imminently. Like you said, James, Atlanta, Cleveland coming up. They don't really have, they have BJ Hill and nothing. I mean, J2 Fele could, could work out to be the guy. Zach Carter is not the guy so far. Zach Carter is playing a lot. He's trying his best out there. He's a rookie that's coming in after being a third-round pick. He's probably playing more than they hoped they would have to play him. Switch positions. It's changed positions. That's right. Zach Carter has not been great, and, and you could do better. And the next two weeks, you're going to need better. There were a couple plays in particular, and I, I don't want to rip the guy as a, as a first-year player, third-round pick with big expectations and, and a lot of playing time put on him. But he missed some tackles at the line of scrimmage in that game that turned you know two-yard runs into 12, 20-yard runs or whatever it is. So um, not a spot where I would be surprised to see them add depth. That, that would make a lot of sense at this point in the season. More to talk about. I want to get back to the offense, James. Got, got some good updates there on the defense. Really want to get to this offense again coming up next. But first, a word from Prize Picks because Prize Picks is daily fantasy that everybody should be playing. It's something I've used. And what's best about it is you're just picking players and you're deciding if they're going to finish with higher or lower, more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You're not competing against other people, it's you versus the projections. Whether it's the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, when college basketball comes back, they're going to have that. They're going to have so much for you, whether it's boxing, there's a big fight on Saturday, MMA, and so much more. And so whether you want to go over under with Joe Burrow, who I think the offense is cooking, he might have another big week, you can do it all. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less with Prize Picks. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, well, you're going to get $50 with promo code locked on. Again, don't forget promo code locked on to sign up for an instant de- deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks.com or with the Prize Picks app. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'll get more into the offense when we do our film review, and I'm excited to dive into the tape on this one and, and see what kind of looks they were getting. But I did want to get back to just the, the the stress that the Bengals are able to put on teams, and this is something that we've been looking for all year, right? And so where we're going to close today is, for me, thinking about the, the complaints about this offense and how they've tried to address them, how they've slowly taken these steps every week to improving the offense. And, and the big thing this week that was very noticeable, like we talked about in the first segment was that they're, they're in the gun, but what's the criticism been this year is that they, there's always somewhere to attack too high. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they beating too high? Why aren't they finding these plays against too high, too high, too high, too high. I'm sick of hearing about too high. <laughs> 
And you sound like me. <laughs> well, I, that's what I'm quoting, right? Is, is oh, okay. and you're representing a lot of people that are like, I'm sick of this. This has been around for so long. There are ways to beat this. What are we doing? The, mm-hmm. the players are too good on this team, whatever, Correct. whatever people are saying. And you saw Jamar Chase help with this, taking a 11-yard back shoulder or or quick stop and breaking two tackles and, and going with it. And that's what the players on this team do for you. But the reason that I like the approach so much from the Bengals is they're, they're acknowledging the strengths and weaknesses of their team. I think what's happened like the last three years is they've gone into the season and they're like, I want to be a wide zone team. I want to be a wide zone team with some shotgun elements, with some spread elements that, that uses some of Joe Burrow's strengths, but I want our running strength to be wide zone under center. And I want to be able to build, you know, the, the play action and the boot game off of that, but they never really got the wide wide zone game going. And Joe Burrow's never looked consistently comfortable turning his back to the line of scrimmage. Their, their boot game seems to get blown up and, and to the point where people that watch a lot of film, myself included, think there must be some sort of tell in their boot game. So they looked at that and they said, you know what, this isn't working. We need to change the way we're playing offense. We're going to play to our quarterback and our, and our weapon strengths. And, and that's what I like so much about the changes. And that's why I am a little bit encouraged. I'm not saying that it's, it's perfect. And there are people that are going to probably be in my mentions and say, you know, you're being too kind to the coaches and, and this is a flash in the pan and the saints aren't a good defense and they have no corners. And yeah, all those things are true, but from an approach perspective, I like what they did. They, they attacked with more levels concepts over the middle of the field. And they put Joe Burrow in a position where he is able to quickly say left side, right side, check down. And, and you saw that if you look at how quickly he's getting the ball out to those checkdowns, especially early in the game against the Saints. And then you're seeing the Saints reacting. You're seeing the Saints adjusting. Like we talked about that RPO, they stopped playing outside leverage with that slot corner, start pressing. They, they stop sitting too high. They start giving you single up opportunities on Jamar Chase. You score touchdowns off of it, right? They're mm-hmm. moving Jamar Chase into the slot. They're attacking the seams with Jamar Chase. They're throwing Jamar Chase more slants, more drags, more inbreakers. And they've been running those inbreakers, by the way. I'll have more on that later this week. But he's getting the ball in those spots more, which makes everybody happy, right? And so playing to the strengths of the weapons, I think Joe Mixon getting downhill and some of these downhill runs away, Zach Taylor put it, the gap scheme runs are running out of the shotgun is, is a playing to the strengths of their personnel in the offensive line and Joe Mixon and building in all these RPOs and all of, all of these running plays, giving Joe Burrow the opportunity to say, if I can get this ball out quickly and get some free yards, mm-hmm. that's using your superpower from your quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's why I like the changes I'm seeing from this offense and have some hope that this is something that they can build on and be sustainable with when they get into the tougher part of the schedule later this year. Yeah, you, you certainly hope so. And it it just this is kind of what I envision, you know, with this offense is a lot of quick game because they teams aren't going to want to get beat deep. That isn't going to change. Like people aren't going to forget the fact that Jamar Chase just torched everybody last year. And and so that'll be the initial thing that I think every defense, depending, but most defenses do initially. And so each and every week, the Bengals are going to have to show that they can be patient and slowly move the ball down the field. And whether that's mixing, whether that's quick game, whether it's this RPO, newly found uh, RPO invention that, and I say invention, <laughs> that, that that is working. I'm not uh-huh. being mean, but w- regardless, if they if they show they can be patient and you look up and Burrow on their first touchdown drive started seven for seven, I think he finished like eight of 11 
and, and had the touchdown to Mixon. Like, if you're going to do that and operate with efficiency, well, then they're going to have to change it a little bit and adjust. And then when they do, that's when you're going to get these plays. And, and the big plays were going to come. But you have to move the ball and find ways to be efficient when they take it away and, and to make defenses adjust to you. This offense is too talented to be like, oh, well, this is the, the Bengals stopper. And, and so it looks like they might have figured it out. And if they did, they figured it out and they got enough wins in the process. And I think that was the concern early. You start 0-2, but yeah, you go to the Jets. And by the way, that looks like a pretty darn good win now, doesn't it? Let's not overreact. It looks like a pretty darn, darn good win now. Sauce Gardner, pretty good. Uh, but but uh, okay. uh, the point is three and three. Yeah. And if you figured it out now, it looks like you can hit your stride. And offensively, you can get to where you need to get to. And you're not in such a hole that it's really, really hard to dig out of. And instead, you're, you're back to even. The Giants give you a favor. Speaking of New York, New York. And uh, – or, or – the Ravens just gave it away. By the way, I watched. I watched that. I went back and watched because we we talked about it on uh, our instant reaction show. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Very what bad. was Lamar? What was Lamar? Do- just throw it away. What are you doing? What? Are you- just launch that. Pull the Andy Dalton. Bad. Throw mm-hmm. it away. Anyways, uh, ridiculous play there. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, it's been good to see. It's exciting, and now I want more. And so we'll see if – and we'll have plenty of time to talk about it and, and, and time to, to dive into exactly what they do in our, our film review with Bengal Sand. So I'm excited to do that as well. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one because when the offense goes well, it's a lot more fun to talk about the offense. Oh, and we'll, we'll have to figure offense. out what – Who knew? What they offense do. was fun. We'll have to figure out what they can do on the defensive side of the ball too because, you, like you said, they, we've got two very, very good running teams coming up on the Bengals' schedule to talk about, and those are going to be challenges with the personnel that the Bengals currently have available to them. The closing stat for today, James, yesterday I talked about Joe Burrow's adjusted accuracy, his mm-hmm. adjusted completion percentage when you throw out the drops and you throw out the throwaway. That was 31 of, of 36. If you also throw out the pass that got batted at the line of scrimmage and the throw where he was hit as he was throwing and, and didn't have a chance to throw an accurate ball, you're now at 31 of 34. Mm-hmm. His adjusted accuracy rating, his adjusted completion percentage according to PFF with those drops, the throwaway, the batted pass, and the hit as thrown was 91.2%. That's- 91.2%. Pretty dang good, I would say. And honestly, the the one where he got hit as he was throwing, it was the one to Jamar's feet, right? Where Jamar was open. You're you're talking about that play. He he didn't he didn't get enough on it. That's right. He 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 did not get enough on it. And yet, I think, I think he can make that throw. Like I I I went back and watched it, and I was like, oh, like the guy was on him, but like it, it. I think he can. So my point is, is if you anticipate it, I think you can. But if you don't like, if he, you don't he, feel it coming, and you started your throwing feel, and motion, and then you get hit, and then it's going to mess up your mechanics. Yeah. yeah. So, but but yes, that that's a test because we've talked a lot about his accuracy and all of those things. But you get into a rhythm early. You know, you get to the free throw line early as a basketball player. You get a couple layups, a couple free throws. Yeah. Then suddenly that basket looks a lot bigger, and I, I think that's what we saw on. Uh, on Sunday and hopefully we continue to see that because it's man it's fun to watch Joe Burrow when he's playing like that isn't it Uh, the entire offense I mean and this is a game and a half now because I thought it was good in the second half against the Ravens outside of the red zone the red zone Mm -hmm. 
was not great. We've talked about that plenty, but two and a, a game and a half now where it feels like the offense has been in a rhythm. If they can keep that up, uh, that means signs are pointing up for this Bengals team because the pass defense is still pretty good. They could use a little bit more pressure, but the secondary is still playing really well, especially uh, Chidobe Abouzier, Mike Hilton. Those guys continue to play great. And, and Trey Hendrickson's having a great year. Sam Hubbard's having a career year. So if they can continue to get these guys that, that are pretty dang good on defense and be solid on defense with the offense we know they can have, then that's where things get tantalizing for this team. And that's where we start to bump them out of the, the kind of top of that middle tier right now, the top of the muddle middle and say, you know what, this is a good team. And I, and I think they're showing signs that they can get there if they continue on their current trajectory. And we will continue to break that down here on Locked On Bengals, covering the Bengals every day. We've got film review coming. We've got a crossover coming later in the week with the Locked On Falcons podcast. So we've got you covered for everything you need about the Cincinnati Bengals. And we appreciate you listening. Until next time, day, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.